0: I'm reminded that the reason we have church, the reason we get in the Word, is not to find the secrets, the mysteries. A lot of people and a lot of people that get the pulpit, they want to wow you with all the secrets they know, the hidden little gems and the little things that they can tell you that they found in the Greek and the Hebrew and all of that stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that, of course. But there's a a law we all have to keep in mind and that's that you can't teach revelation. You can't, you can't receive revelation from somebody. You receive that in your heart. So we, we, we should be learning the basics. When you learn the basics, when you learn the kingdom, as it were, then the Lord shows you by revelation how to plug that in. So we're not looking to give you great secrets and insights. That comes from Holy Spirit, because if He doesn't tell you, you didn't hear it. How many times have we heard things, and we said, that's good, and we didn't do it? But when the Holy Ghost says, this is what you should do, I mean, He just said, this is a good idea, and you think you thought of it, well, then we go and we do it. Amen. So if you would this morning, turn with me in your Bible to the book of Philippians. We're, we're ministering on a kind of a unique title, which that's... Kind of how I roll, that you can know how your life will turn out. Point yourself with me this morning and say, "I, I can, know can know how my life will turn out." Amen. Uh, that's if it, if anybody believed that. If they said, "You mean I can know the future?" You sure can. There's no mysteries. The wor- the Lord does. It does seem like He works in mysterious ways, His wonders to perform, but actually. That's not even in the Bible. It's very simple. It's very upfront. You can know. And you can predict your future. You can predict how long you'll live. Uh, I know a man that doesn't really, he's not really a spiritual man uh, in any way. But uh, about eight years ago, he said, I got 20 more good years in me. And health-wise, he's, he's kind of a mess. But he's just he's strong as a little locomotive, and he just keeps on defying everything that's come against him and then have all these other people that they eat good, can you imagine that? They eat good and they they take care of themselves which we should. And you know, then you hear about them falling over. It's like, "What? You fell over? What what chance do I have?" Well, it's what's inside. So I want to talk about vision, seeing your future. You can see your future by seeing what you see inside. What you see inside is what you're going to see. They had a rule. When I rode motorcycles, they had a little saying that said, wherever you put your eye when you're riding a bike, that's where you will go. That's If you look at a rock in front of you, you're going to drive over that rock. Don't look at the rock. Look at the place beyond the rock. And that's the same thing uh, for us. It says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. Let's read this together. Paul, is, this is in a, a pretty long uh, an account here, but he, he sums it with verse 14. Ready? Read. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's read it again. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Well, there you go. The key word there, the operative word there, is I press. I press. The word literally means pursue, and it has a connotation of willing to suffer. Pursuit despite suffering. So it sounds like a diet plan, doesn't it, or something like that? Uh, you know. Today's English says, So I run, I run straight toward the goal. The Amplified says, uh, to win the supreme and heavenly prize. What are you running after? What am I running after? Everything that the world has, everything that we hear that's good. But Paul said that he presses towards the prize, the supreme and heavenly prize. The message translation in 13 and 14, this is interesting. It says, I've got my eye on the goal. I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. Amen. So I'm not turning back. Let's say it. I'm not turning back. We're all in hot pursuit. But uh, Paul also said one place, he said, uh, said that the devil distracted me or the devil limited me or the devil hindered me. So there's always something that you're going to have to encounter. I'm going to have to encounter in my pursuit, in my pressing toward the mark. It's not enough. Just say I picked the right one. We're going to have to pursue that. So I looked up what this means. I pressed toward the mark. And the word I found was pertinent truth or significant truth. So there's truth. The world is round. Did you know there's actually a flat earth society that does not believe that? They said it's all made up and we didn't really land on the moon and lots of things like that, that they, they push back on what we call Pertinent truth. Pertinent truth is anything that I am willing to believe that will change my life. Now think about that just for a moment. We only engage what we think will change our lives. So when you see the things on TV, take these pills and get this powder and rub this on. If we don't believe it, we don't order it. But as soon as somebody that's sitting on the couch next to you says, I believe that'll work. They got the credit card out and they're, they're pulling that thing in. So what's the difference? Will it work or not work? Well, it's what you and I believe. So we're all looking for what we can look for, what we can have, what we can do that is called pertinent truth or significant truth. Lots of truth out there. You know, They'll say, uh, if you'll run every day or if you'll eat... Spinach every day, or you'll uh, quit eating sugar. All these things are true, by the way. But for me, none of them have been what you call pertinent truth because I haven't engaged them. Do you understand? Now the doctor can come to you and say, you're fixing to die if you don't change. And suddenly what was true all along becomes reality. It becomes a truth that you engage at least for a season. Since the doctor doesn't go home with you, That thing can fade pretty fast. Uh, Pertinent truth is anything I believe that is worth my investment. So you're listening this morning. Uh, Every one of us are listening and we're kind of gleaning or filtering out whatever is being said to see if there's anything there that is pertinent or significant truth. In other words, we're going to hear a, a lot of stuff this morning and we'll go, yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true, and that's true then something might spark. We would call it revelation. It might spark on the inside, and we would say in ourselves, that's what I have been waiting for, or that fits what I have a space for. That is, it is what I need today, and we plug, then we plug out all that stuff, we plug that into our lives, and that's what we engage. Just to let you know how it's working. That's how it's always working with everybody. And so what happens to a lot of churches is they go to church, they go to church, they go to church, and there's never any pertinent truth. It's just yada, yada, yada. Don't sin. Do good. Love God. Be nice to people. And they go, I got that last week. You know, sin's going to send you to hell. The devil's big. God's little. Well, I got that last week. And so nothing ever gets plugged in. People lose interest in investing their lives. Pertinent truth is what's something that you're willing to invest in. So people are bored. They're bored out of their gourd, so to speak, because it's nothing ever pertinent or significant that is put in front of them. So, and if you read the Bible, if you get over there and you say, I just got born again, I'm gonna read the Bible and I'm gonna start in Leviticus. You might not find any pertinent truth in there. I mean, it's all true, it's historical and it's it's uh But it might not be a pertinent truth. So we should always, when we get saved or whenever, we should go to the New Testament and read the epistles. Read the Gospels to find out how much God loves you. Jesus pointed to God and said, He loves you. He loves you, loves you, loves you, and He sent me because He loves you. That's the message of the Gospels. But after you figure that out, or after that's pretty much in, and you get born again, well then the message we all need is, How do I live my life? After you've received Jesus, the question all of us are really looking for is how do I live my life? What is pertinent or significant truth? How can I navigate life and come out good on the other side? I'm looking for keys. So that's why they sell these creams on TV and pills on TVs and vitamins on TV. And whatever is because they have a sale or a pitch that people say, I believe that. And that's how they order them. Every once in a while you go out into the world and you'll see somebody wearing something that you had commented on a store that says, How would who in the world would buy that? Well, then you find them. You see them. It's like, there they are. (laughs) Why are they wearing that? Well, yeah. Have you ever seen the ugliest car you ever saw? And somebody actually got in it and they'd waxed it and polished it and put it over in the side of the parking lot you go, I, I wouldn't drive by that car, much less drive in that car. So the truth is, then, the Bible. The Bible, the Word of God, is the only truth that is pertinent and significant about every area of life. So if you don't preach out of the Word, you're just telling stories. You're entertaining. Even if it may be dry and dull and Deuteronomy and Numbers and everything, you're just entertaining by in a religious tone just to just to go through it i've heard of many pastors many that they get up and they're teaching the book of Joshua and so they go months and months you know this is Joshua 6 this is Joshua 7 you know and they just go through and explain well Joshua went over here and and, sent, and you know and you go okay 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 but it's not significant We need pertinent truth because there's a lot of stuff bombarding us trying to come in. We have to have something that we build up, a bulwark that stands and filters that stuff out. Amen. So turn with me to James chapter 3. We got that out of the way. Let's see what we can build on it. James chapter 3. So our goal here at River Church... Is to stay on pertinent truth, to stay on what's significant, to get to find the keys in the kingdom that will always work. You know, Bear Bryant, he's famous for having uh, the mastermind of football, just an an, an amazing uh, intellect for football. But every once in a while, he'd bring a ball back in and say, "This is a football," and he'd say, "We're going back to the basics because y'all are so caught up in the in the this and the that." We've forgotten the basics. Here's how you tackle. This is how you catch. This is how you block. We all need that and need to keep it in our lives. So uh, I say, I say, you just judge it. You can know how your life's going to turn out. It's what you're in love with. It's what you listen to. It's what you embrace. It's the pertinent truth. If If you only listen to the vitamin commercials on TV and all the other pills, but then if you're always looking for that secret weapon, that, that fix-all, that cure that's going to whatever, you will find something that will pacify you. And, and you, will not, you will not open your heart to this. But you can know how your life will turn out because of what you look at, what you listen to, what you're hungry for, what you're chasing after. When you chase after the word, you can know how your life will turn out. You may not have all the keys. You may not have all the the things in there yet, but you're in pursuit. We press toward the mark. We pursue with a willingness to suffer. That's what parents do. We pursue even though, even though, even though we don't feel like it. It's been all day. It's been all week. It's been all year. We just keep pursuing at some level with a willingness to suffer. Uh, Yeah, really. And you get through that, and then they say, well, here, come babysit. And we go, I remember that. <laughs> I'm not falling for that. And there is a grace on parents that isn't on other people, and they just, they are, they're able to overlook things. Hallelujah. So vision, if we're going to talk about vision, what we see, we know vision is progressive, that you can't see the whole thing. Why doesn't the Lord show you your whole life? Because we, we, can't, we can't handle it. I promise you, if he'd showed me all of Alabama when I said, I'll go to Alabama, I would not have come. I would have been greatly impaired by the struggle and the standing and the suffering and the, and the, the you know, just, just life. It's nothing special, but it's just life. I could have got that in Texas. There was plenty of that going on there, so I didn't need a new scenery to do the same thing. But he just showed me the first part, and he's showing you first part. He's showing you prosperity. He's showing you healing. And you can go as fast as you want, but he shows you everything that you want, what you're in pursuit of. I, tr- I press toward the revelation of my life. And if you're not interested, if you're afraid of knowing, like I'm not going to, uh, to the doctor, they might, t- I hear this all the time, they might tell me something I, I can't handle. Well, that it's fine not to go to the doctor, but that's not the reason. Fear will not get you healed. Right? So, so revelation why do some people walk in wisdom and see everything seems to work for them and they always land on their feet? They're always because they're in pursuit. They, tre- they press. Keep pressing. Say it with me. Keep pressing. Because what got you here is what's going to get you there. But vision is is progressive, so you don't know the whole thing yet. But you can know what's good. So we just keep chasing, pursuing, pressing towards that which is good. We keep pressing towards healing, even though we may have had 73 blowouts. We keep pressing towards financial security or, or supply, even though we, we blew up here and we blew out there. It's like, ah, pay no attention to that. It was I I wasn't looking for what I should have been looking for back then. So we could say then that vision is being constantly refined and updated. Now, think about living your life now based on what you knew 20 years ago. It'd be tough. We've, we've come a long way since then. It's hard to define that. It's hard to look back on that. But how we used to think, how you used to think, I used to think, it's just dangerous to think about that. It's just like, well, oh my, how did I get through it? It's called the grace of God. <laughs> you know, uh, my father-in-law always says God helps idiots and little children. And I was constantly, when he would say that, see, well, which one am I? Because he's helping me. Idiots and little children. But here we are. We've got more revelation than we've ever had. We've got more pressing toward the mark for us. So we know our future. I know how this is going to turn out. Now, if you don't have a clue, if you just don't even know whether to go to church, don't know if the Bible is true, don't uh, not looking for anything, we know how your life's going to turn out. It's going to be a mishmash, it's going to be pitiful. We don't know exactly what disease, what kind of financial thing, what relational thing is going to fall out of the sky and blow you up, but it is in front of you. It is in front of everybody. Ah, I'm healthy. I got plenty of money. Well, that's today. Tomorrow is coming. And it's not It's not cursing anybody. It's just how life is. In the world, you'll have tribulation and no one is exempt. And Kenneth Copeland and Brother Hagen and... And all the people that you go, well, look look how they turned out. It wasn't that way on the whole track. That's just how they made it turn out because they knew how it would turn out, so they stayed on the track. So we just keep staying on the track. We just keep pressing. I just keep pressing. Well, it's not as good as it says it, that it's going to be. Yeah, because we have a limited uh, uh, revelation of where this thing's going. But we know we're on the right track. In James chapter 3, listen to this. Now, this, this will be interesting to you. For in many things, verse 2 For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, enabled also to bridle the whole body. Verse 3 Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us and we turn about their whole body. Behold, number two, also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven by fierce winds, yet, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. So what's he talking about there? He's talking about the course of your life. It's not what will be, will be. It's not the hand you've been dealt. It's not that your parents didn't give you anything or they beat you or told you that you'll never amount to anything. That is a factor. That is the wind blowing. That is the horse saying, I want to go graze over here when you're wanting to go straight. The passion says we all fail in many areas, but especially with our words. I think you could say with our vision there, because a vision is words. But we'll say, yet if we're able to bridle the words we say we are powerful enough to control ourselves in every way. Let me read that part again. If, if we are able to bridle the words we say, we are powerful enough to control ourselves in every way. Can you say amen? And that means our character is mature and fully developed. Horses have bits and bridles in their mouths so that they can control and guide their large body. And the same with mighty ships, though they are massive and driven by fierce winds, yet they are steered by a tiny rudder at the direction of the person at the helm. Well, there's a key right there, but you're going to have to get it by revelation. This is truth. This is pertinent truth. But it's, it's just a fact of science. Everybody would say, well, that's a scientific thing. You put a bit in a horse and you can do this and you put a, a rudder on a ship and you can do this. What's that got to do with me? we have to transpose that over and say, that's me. That's my future. If I can plug that in with revelation, I know how to guide my life, and I know how my life will turn out. Because even a horse, even a a horse, even a ship, an inanimate dead thing, we can control it. I saw a picture one time of a mining caterpillar and the tires on it were uh, 10 feet tall. And it's just, this room would fit inside the dump bed. But then they showed the little gal. She's a little. She was little. She climbed up and climbed up and climbed up and finally climbed up. And got up there and cranked that thing up and got that steering wheel. And she absolutely dominated that machine. And she was little. Well, that's, that's, that's us. We dominate our future by the vision we have going into our future. So if you think that everything's, everybody's against me and nothing's ever gonna work out, then you're gonna be having a decidedly different future than the person that says, everything is turning out amazing. Right. Eh, there's plenty more where that came from. If you only knew what God was about to do. Oh, that's different. Well, you still, you're still don't have any money, you still got bills stacked up, you still don't feel good in your body, but there you are at the crossroads saying, this is bad. I'm going down. Or to say, I got 20 more good years in me. But I'm like, he doesn't know any principles. He doesn't know anything about anything about anything. And yet, with that one word that he said to me one time, he just keeps on going. And healthy people are dropping like flies around him. And he just, they're, they're having funerals every day. And you go, well, how old was he? 70." You know, and you go, well, that's that's pretty good. Well, this man's 91 this week. And you go, and, and he's just, well, anyway, this, that, and the other. So I would say, just see if it's pertinent to you, that vision steers your life. Well, you know, I didn't get an education, and Daddy, I had to take care of the kids when he was growing up, and... and uh, and I had a bad boss that wouldn't promote me, and on and on. My wife submarine me, and she left for my neighbor or whatever. Whatever you could say is your excuse, you would have to say no, no. That is not my future. My vision is the bit in my life's mouth. My vision is the is the helm under the the large boat that will will steer my life. My vision, my mouth, my words will steer my life, and it won't... Listen, it won't be different than that. You are not the exception. You are not the one that it doesn't matter to. You are not the one that can beat the system. You, you and I are under that system, and if you know that and you embrace it, it becomes pertinent and significant truth. You will know how your life's going to turn out. Isn't it good to know you are in control? And it's not that bad boss, and it's not that... You lost all your money in the stock market or it's not that your house burned down or or whatever whatever that would say it's all against me. Everybody has a story. And when you when you get with successful people and you go, well, you've always been successful. You don't know how life works. They've just got a story, but you they're not telling the story. But the story's there. And sometimes the story is what causes people to stop and say, i got to get a new story. This, this thing's not going well, and it's not going to go well, so I'm going to change it. So vision steers your life. It steers you to a life of supply. It steers you to a life of purpose. But if, you, if you're always walking around saying, oh, we're never going to make it. Oh, poor us. We, the, things look bad and uh, the, the, the plant's laying off people, and, and my car's not working good. Whatever, whatever. I'm single. You, you could use that. I'm a single with three, with three kids. We, we would all agree, if you don't get a vision, it's going to be tough raising three kids by yourself. Or one kid. Why, it's tough for people that are just single and just barely getting themselves to work. Life is out there is pretty tough, but if you get a vision doesn't matter at all. R.G. Letourneau was a man that that, uh, had nothing. It was on the bottom side of everything, but he determined to tithe or to give to God until he finally got to 90% giving and 10% provision. Buddy Harrison did that, and I can tell you, he said, it takes a lot of cash flow when you're living on 10% to live like I do. You got to run 10 million through to live on a million or, you know, 100,000 to live on 10,000. Well, yay. Well, you get a vision for that. People that say, I'll be a millionaire by 30. Did you know a bunch of them make it? Because that's their vision. It doesn't even have to be spiritual. So how do you see yourself? I say of myself, and you'll laugh, I don't mind you laughing, but I say of myself, I can do anything physically that a 67, 68, 68-year-old 68 guy can do. I can do it all. Now, there's lots of stuff that's not lining up to what I'm saying, but I'm saying I'm steering. I'm steering. And if you don't steer, it'll go in the ground. So I'm steering so it won't go in the ground. So vision is the GPS of life. So why is everybody working, putting all their energy on trying to climb the corporate ladder so they can make more money and be in a different position, and this is the answer, and that's going to put me through, and when Uncle Jack goes to heaven, well, then, you know, that's going to set me in. No, none of that is. None of that is. It might go temporarily through there, but you won't go to there. And so we have to have uh, we have to have a, uh, I know where I am, but I know where I'm going. I know where I am. It's not good. It's not, I don't like it. I don't want it. This is not, but I know where I'm going. So I'm leaving here and going there. If you don't have going there, you're just staying here. And it will not change. It will not be different. Do you, uh, you know people that are always got a great idea and they're, they're always on the edge of breakthrough. Well, as soon as I get this promotion, as soon as I invent this, as soon as we move to San Francisco or whatever, they've always got a thing that that's going to put them in a new spot. And it's just you carry your story with you. You carry your vision with you. It just changes locales or changes wives or husbands or changes. But it doesn't change anything because your vision is what steers us. Amen. Proverbs 29. Would you turn there with me, please? We've got a few more minutes. And y'all hadn't got to the amen stage yet, so that's kind of that's how I go. <laughs> Till I just can't hear myself, well, I just keep going. Until Mickey gets his, both his hands straight up. Then when Mickey does that, chapter 29, let's see. Where am I? Okay, here we are. Let's read it in the King James together. You know this. It's a famous one. Let's talk about it, though. Ready? Read. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Well, let's just talk about the first part. The the Hebrew implies where there's no progressive vision. So in other words, you can't just set a vision when you're 22 and you can only see this far out. You, you don't understand life. You don't understand what's coming. So you just set a vision that says, when I'm 26, I'll be this, and I'll have that. He said, no, where there's no progressive vision, where you, you see, when you get somewhere, you can see further down the road yet. It's always evolving, updating, being revised, but it's still on track. This, this is the GPS. This right here, inside here, comes out our mouth, and we tell the world, we tell ourselves, this is where I'm going. This is who I am. It's what I have and what I do. So you've got to know who you are. Because if you're a worm and you're the 16th of 28 children or, you know, whatever your story is, people have amazing stories. And you lose it all and your wife died of this when you were... You know, everybody's got a story. And some of them are really terrible. But everybody's got a story that is terrible to them at one point. No matter what it compares to with others. So the the word says here where there 's no vision, progressive vision, the people perish now, what if that was true? What if this was a law that cannot be altered, changed, adapted, circumvented, gone around, uh, where it doesn 't apply? What if where if if I have no vision, I will perish. What if that was true? What if that was true? Would you change what your thinking and doing and going if you knew that you couldn't escape this this law of the kingdom that everything 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 rides on depends on and is 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 running with my vision what i spend time seeing myself in the future going somewhere before i go somewhere what if that was true then we'd all look back at our life that we were a little disappointed about or some time in our past that we say, that that wasn't good. We could always, if we were honest, go back to the place and say, I had a sorry little doggone vision. And it played out. And you go, no, that didn't happen to me. Yes, it did. Everything you don't like, you had a don't like vision. You were thinking about money. Ah, my vision is to have a 16-bedroom house and to drive seven cars. and to, you you got a cruddy vision. That, that's no vision. That would be the stuff that maybe you would have in order to have a, a vision that God was condoning. You might need, I know who needs seven cars, but I mean, i use that. You may need a boat or whatever to do what God's called you to do, what you have set your vision. But you can't go to material things and says, my vision is to have stuff and have a knockdown gorgeous wife and to be the, the president of the chamber and to be this large company. All that stuff is pride. All that stuff is just look at me. And it always changes. You can't sustain it. Because there's always somebody that wants you to come up even higher. To please me, you're going to have to be more than you are now. And you're going, I thought I was already everything that I could be. And so it never gets satisfied, does it? You never can scratch that itch. It's right there beyond. And so we have to get a vision that's from heaven. Well, that goes back to Revelation. What you get inside here, he will show you this is where you're going. Now, here's the key, is once she shows you where you're going, you, you embrace it, then everything you need, health-wise and provision-wide, relationally, will come into play to make that vision come to pass. If you're going to be a paymaster and give away thousands and thousands of dollars, you know what's got to come. <laughs> thousands and thousands of dollars. But if you set yourself up and say, I am believing God for thousands and thousands of dollars. Why? Well, just so I'll have it. It's a tough road to hoe. That's what we say in West Texas. It's a tough road to hoe. But you say, I, Jesus, I'm Lord, I, what can I do for you? How can I start an orphanage? Or how can I, whatever, whatever. And it doesn't have to all be mission field, and everything, but it could just be one thing you could have is like, Lord, I want to live in a testimony house. Well, why? Because I want to be a testimony of the things of God. Lord, I want to be healed. Well, why do you want to be healed? Well, it hurts. Well, okay, that's good. But how about I want to be a healer? Oh, that's even gooder. The Passion Version says where there is no prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. Now that word prophetic is in there. So it's not just a dream up vision. That says, like, like, you give kids a catalog for Christmas <laughs> and say, circle, baby, circle three things you want. And they thought you meant per page. And you come back and, you know, it's like, can I have a new pen? I'll use this one up. No, it's not that. It's prophetic vision. It's one that you seek God. I, I tell the story. I know everybody's tired of it. But, but when I was a farmer, I couldn't get away from people that were looking for me, Mike. My family, you know, just, it was hard to get alone. So what I did is I went out in my field. Cotton would be about this high or wheat, whatever I was growing at that time. And I would put my pickup at the corner and I'd walk out there and then lay down. Nobody except a plane, a drone could find me. And I'd just spend a long time out there on my back in the field looking straight up. And I got lots of stuff sorted out. I got stuff out that wasn't God was vain was self-centered which was just just lustful and i got stuff in that was pure and right and a willingness to follow him a willingness to press press towards the mark and everything in my life now whatever it is if there's any good in it is from those absolutions that i made those choices i made those things when I got all alone out of the noise, out of the, out, out of the noise, and me and the Lord just worked it out. Now, the Lord was always there ready to work it out, but it was me. I couldn't get out of the distraction. And I find that l- most people, Christians included, have no time for imagination, have no time for consolation. They're just on the run, and whatever happens to come by on their run they consider it on the run, and they say, well, that might be good. And they, they, they're like, like that supermarket game show on TV where you got 30 seconds to fill up your basket. That's how a lot of people are with their life. They're, they're just running like the wind thinking that if they put stuff in their basket, they'll have something. It's just not true. The word just doesn't back it up. Where there is no progressive vision, the people perish. Do you know anybody that's perishing? You can just look at them and say, I don't know anything about you, but I know what your vision is not. It's wrong. So we've got to look at ourselves and say, let's get one right. If that's all it takes, if that's all that's required, not climb every mountain, swim every sea, be good, never have anything bad in your path. No, just set your vision. This is what I'm going to do with my one and only life. I'm going to make it count for Jesus. Well, he'll start giving you a vision that you might not have ever considered without that consecration, that sanctification, that separation. Where you go, I never considered that. Because we're just a vapor, y'all. We're just a vapor. This, this time down here is just nothing. And if you, if you think this is the real life, then you're going to live a lustful, entertaining, gratifying life. But if you go, this is just tooling up time. Forever, even when we go to heaven for seven years at the rapture. We're coming back for a thousand to rule and reign with him. Well think about America wasn't even here a thousand years ago. Go back to a thousand is quite a span. So we should be we should be tooling up for that instead of tooling down in this life. This one is a vapor. It just disappears. I wrote down the division. I looked it up, and it means several things, but it means a blueprint. Do you have a blueprint for your life? We pray it out all the time. We, we, the Word says that praying in tongues is praying out the mysteries, things that are hidden for you, not from you, but for you. But if you, if you don't do that, then there's going to be things that are right there in front of you, but you don't see them. You're looking for the string to turn on the light. And it's all right there in front of you. The word means battle plan. It means strategy to move forward. Oh, a vision is a strategy to move forward. What can I do tomorrow? Well, there's 10,000 things that you could do tomorrow. You can drive to Birmingham. You can drive to Mo- Montgomery. You can drive to Tupelo. What? Or you can stay home. You can knit at home, watch TV. You can eat three pizzas. There's lots of things you and I can think of to do, and maybe we've done a bunch of them. So you can't just say, what will I do tomorrow, and just say it'll be a good thing. We have to have a blueprint or a strategy for a battle plan, because every day, let's let's go back to this. Suppose the Lord knows when Jesus is coming back. Suppose he knows, and let's just arbitrarily just pick pick it out. It's three and a half years from today. So three and a half years is what about, about 11 or 1,200 days. And you're going to have to do all of your life, the, everything you're going to do with your life, you'll have to do it in the next 1,200 days. Because when the clock, when, when the Lord hits the stopwatch, click, it's over. You know, it's that uh, game show where you, you're doing, 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 and all of a sudden, the oh, it's that cook show. And they say, cooks, put down your weapons or your instruments or what, whatever you're doing. And everybody has to raise their hands. It's done. Did you know that there is a set number of days for you and me? If you believe that Jesus is coming in our lifetime, that you will not get to be 120, then you've just got so many days. I mean, click, click. If you had 1,200 yesterday, you got 1,199 today. Now that's sobering. But that puts an impetus or a weight on, I must make every day count. I I can't be I can't be training to to uh, to pilot a battleship if I'm never going to be on the battleship. Everything has to have weight. Everything has to have cause. Everything has to have a press. Don't be pressing towards the wrong mark, a worldly mark, a self gratifying mark, a look at me mark. Hey, I I was always treated this way and always treated bad that way. And my daddy didn't do this and my boss did that. And I, bless God, I'm going to show them. You got the wrong vision. Because nobody's looking. Nobody cares. Let alone the Lord. I got to be pressing toward the mark of the high calling for the prize of the high callings. This is a real good message. It just makes us stop and just think about what we already know. Everybody knows all of this already. I am not surprising you with anything. But Revelation plugs it into me. And that's really all we're after. Um, The word vision also means a way out. Has anybody ever been stuck? Like stuck? Like, I got this job and I got this car and I got this thing and that thing and I'm stuck. I can't, I, I, if I work harder to make more money to get unstuck, then I have to neglect this and you're stuck. Ah, a vision gets you unstuck because whatever you set your mind on or your eye on or your, your words on, then suddenly whatever the Lord has, the kingdom comes in to make that thing happen. And we can't make that thing happen on our own. We're already using all of our life to live our lives. That's what we say about people with no vision. It takes all of their life to live their life. There's nothing left over. There's no way out. There's no workaround. There's no, oh, I'm going to take my extra this and my, my overflow of that, and I'm going to break out, and I'm going to... No, there's none of that. It takes all of their life to live their life. Without a vision, you are tired. Now, let's just say that. Without a vision, you are tired. You know any tired people? You ever been tired? Tired is from being in a place with no vision. It's not, well, they're working me 20 hours a day. It's not, we don't have any money, we have to wash our own. No. Tired is from no vision. The people perish. There's a lot of other things in there, but tired is a big one of it. Uh, Let me just read you some of these because I'm but talking about blueprint, talking about the vision, talking about God's plan for your life. He has a, he has a plan for each one of our lives. It's a, it, it overlaps us like people in your family. You all eat at the same table. You all uh, have the same kitchen. You all, a lot of things are common, but then there's particular and individual and unique things that's just for them. Every kid ought to have his own bed. Every kid ought to have his or person ought to have his own chair at the table. Right. So even though they're all chairs and we can all sit in all of them. And so uh, uh, John 16, 13, the Lord said, when the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you, guide you into all truth. So it's if why do you need guiding if it's all the same? If there's no particular and specific and unique place to go, why do we need guiding? We need guiding. Because it's not the same. I mean, I got two ears and two eyes just like you, but my life is unique. Your life is very peculiar in that nobody has your assignment. Nobody's been equipped just like you. Why, we even have individual fingerprints and whatever they do with the retina that makes us unique. A retinal scan, is that what they do to find out who you are? So he said when he the spirit of truth is come he will guide you into all truth for he shall not speak of himself but whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak look 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 and he will show you things to come I need to know what's coming the future is where god is That's what makes us unique. That's what makes us powerful. It's not that devils, we can cast them out, and we can. It's not that we can lay hands on the sick and they'll be healed, but we can. But it's that we know the future, and it makes us happy. People that are miserable, depressed. If anybody's ever been depressed, it's because they didn't know the future. And the devil was beating their brains out about what's going to happen. There's no hope for you. You've got nowhere. It's not long till you'll be done. You're a burden to everybody. Nobody likes you, and you, you have failed. You have run your race, and look at you. you. You didn't get depressed is simply not knowing the future. But I know the future. I don't know all of it, but I know a ways down the road. And you know the, the axiom is that the higher up you are, the further you can see. So the word... Elevates us up higher. In West Texas, you can see the sunset because there's no trees. <laughs> Here, you you know you can't see that far because there's a forest over there. Uh, Matthew six ten, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, say it with me, on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, it must not be like heaven. Naturally speaking, just just a default is not like heaven. We have to believe, agree, and see thy kingdom come. What's there, we have to get this to change, to mirror that. The Garden of Eden was an exact mirror of heaven. Exact. God put him, his home, on earth and said, Adam, we're going to live here. And everybody, you, all your kids, we're all going to live here on, in heaven, on earth. Well, that got zapped. But now we can bring it in. He said, Thy kingdom come, thy will, thy will, thy purpose, thy vision, thy dream be done on earth as it is in heaven. I gotta find it. I gotta see it. I gotta press towards it. It's not enough to know the future if you don't press toward the prize of the high calling. There's lots of distractions. Dear Lord, there's distractions. And then we say, Well, I got 24 hours a day. The Bible says to redeem the time. So there's things we can do with our time, just like the tithe, just like the Sabbath, that will give us time. Many times it's that people will step in and say, let me do that for you. I'm not doing anything with my life. Let me work on yours, help you. And therefore, we have more time. Uh, I wrote down the prophetic vision is all of our personal tomorrows. Without a prophetic vision... My people perish. Prophetic vision is the vision of all your personal tomorrows. Now we know Syria's going to do this and Iraq's going to do that and, you know, all the stuff that's in the end days. We know that, that prophetic part. But what about me? Am I special? Are you special? Yeah, buddy. I mean, there's nobody else on the planet. It's like when a man falls in love with a woman. There are no other girls. Whoo, baby. You're the one. Well, that's what the Lord does for you and me. He's in love with us. And He's not thinking, can I, can I, would you hold that, darling? I got to slip over here and, and tell somebody else some wonderful things. I'll be right back. No, He never leaves your side. He never leaves your vision, your dream. He is there, He's attentive. He's the, he's the personal butler or the personal cook or the personal financier. It's like I, he's been assigned to you, and there is nothing else he's doing. Now, that, that's what makes him God. I mean, you go, I, I don't see that. You're thinking in natural mortal terms if you think, I can't get around that. We need to let God be God. And, and when we do let him be God, we get a better life. Because my vision's in him. I'm not rodeoing off by myself like I don't need God. I'll do my own thing. I'm smart enough and handsome enough and rich enough and connected enough that I don't need God. You are a fool. You are a fool. That's, if you have anything, it all came from him. So when you know the future, then you're willing to prepare for that future. It's called pursuit. It's called I press. Why are we pressing? Because we've seen the future. If you don't see the future, there's no press in you. You're just sitting there waiting for something to rise up. So you go to work and you you mow the grass and whatever people do that don't know what the future is. Not that you can get out of mowing the grass when you know the future, but but you know what I mean. It's not your whole life. I wrote this down. I like this about the best thing I wrote down. When you know what is just for you, there's no competition or comparison. A lot of our lives, whether we know it or not, is to be looking good, acting good, being good, be, to have people think well of us. And we're not trying to get them to be mad at us, but it doesn't matter what people think of you. Please God, and you have pleased the world. So competition, I, 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 I rail on this. Competition in comparison is so anti-God, I would call them hell words. There is no competition in the kingdom. I'm not competing against anybody. You know, they say golf is, is you're competing against yourself. I don't know how that works exactly, but anyway. You're unique. You're special. Just be special in your own special. And Don't pay any attention to what Garland's doing, or Pam's doing, or Jonathan's doing. Ah, oh, they sing like a bird. I need, I need to, I need to change. No, don't cha- sing like me, and you'll never, you'll never think about those things. Hallelujah. Um, I've run out of time. Let me, let me see what I, what I can do right here. Oh, okay, let's let's just go to this. We, we'll back out. Let's go to Philippians, back to Philippians chapter 3. And I will... If the Lord tarries, which he has been, so he might, we'll come back to this another day. But in chapter 3 of Philippians, where we were, verse 14 says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's a mouthful. But if you look in verse 13, you see... Before he could say that, we, before we can say that, we have to say verse 13. I count not myself to have apprehended, but here it is. But this one thing I do, forgetting everything else. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. You've got to forget everything else. When you're in a press, when you're in pursuit, you don't care. It's not just something else that's on your list, you have cleared the list. I'm pressing Well, what else is going on in your life? I'm pressing I'm pressing toward and and let me just say this. Everybody is pressing. All the world, every person in the world is pressing, even if they're pressing to not press towards the things of God. They are filling their lives up so they won't have to press towards him and they're full. You talk to retired people. It's like, you're retired? Oh, yeah, I, I retired 10 years ago. What, can you go eat lunch with me? Oh, no, I got a doctor appointment that day. Well, can you, can you, how about the next day? No, I got to mow the grass that day. Well, how about the next day? Well, I go shopping on that day. I've never seen such busy people as these old retired folks. Well, you go, what is it? Why are they so busy and, and so inflexible? Because they have no vision. They retired. And as far as they're concerned, they're done. We're just a vapor here waiting to leave. I do not like those people. I mean, I love the people, but I do not like that thing where you just sit around. Ah, we're just sitting around waiting on something. No, we just transition. When we retire, we just transition. Yeah, and you go, are you retired? What does that mean? Well, I'm pressing. Are you pressing? How are you going to press? You get your vision straight, which means it's about this big and goes to the ceiling and you just start whacking it off with a machete and saying, ah, you, you're not my vision, cut you off, and you're not a part of my future, cut you off. And You, you used to be real good. You, this part used to be so good. For me, it was motorcycles. You were such a sweetie. You got to go. Out you go. You hear what I'm saying? I still, want to have a, I still want to be a gazillionaire. Ah, we got to cut that off. We're not using our energy for that. Well, Jesus loves you. And he's so happy to be the captain of your ship. Ah, oh, he's a, he, I tell you, we're just in love with Jesus. Let's stand up and just lift our hands. And just tell him so. Because he's got so much he wants to give us. We're just going to have to open the door. Lord, I opened the door this morning. To let you talk to me about me. Hallelujah. I'm your favorite. Go ahead and say it with me. I'm your favorite. Hallelujah. (laughs) You don't even like them other people like you like me. Hallelujah. And so, Lord, I'm tuned in. I'm paying attention. You're investing in me and I'm going to let you. Lord, I'm going to let you show me what I was made to do, to have, and to be. And we lift up our hearts to you, thanking you, thanking you, thanking you. Thanksgiving is every day in the kingdom. And we thank you, Lord, for your good, good hand upon us. Hallelujah. Let's sing a song. Do we have a song to sing? Oh, hallelujah.